Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Good morning, Island Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, praise the Lord. We get to come to you one more time. As Kimberly said just a few minutes ago, one last time coming to you over Facebook Live. And because uh, praise God, we get to go back to service starting this week. Amen. So I want to give you a friendly reminder. We are going to have uh, the 1st of July, which is a Wednesday. This Wednesday coming up, we will have our first meeting uh, back at the church. Uh, we'll have prayer starting off at 6.30. Then we will move forward with our, our shorter than normal service at uh, 7.30. And then the 5th of July, we will come back and have our first Sunday meeting at 11 o'clock. Amen. Now... Now, I just want to encourage you guys, you know, be, uh, be bold. Amen. This, this is, this is a blessing that we're able to come back to church. We need to, we need to take these things seriously and, and grab a hold of it and take, take a hold of it and, and come back and do, uh, what God's asking us to do to come back corporately together and, uh, and worship Him in one accord. Amen. Now, now keep in mind, you know, we will have the, we will have the church cleansed. We will, have the toilet areas cleansed. We will have hand sanitizer for you for the people that would like it. Uh, everything will be taken care of for you know your safety. But I but I also want to remind you, you know we we are the body of Christ. I mean, just as sickness and disease can come couldn't come upon Jesus, couldn't you know we we are His body. We're part of His body. So don't don't come with some expectation that you may be able to catch something as you're going to church because because we are the church, Amen. And uh, and sickness and disease, it's illegal for it to come upon us. So so don't so don't be in fear about these things. You know, be bold in the Word. Be bold in the God that lives on the inside of you, and come and come come get you some, Amen. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time now. Let me mention this too, uh, with the children and the, and the services here. Oh, sorry, I got these cords all tangled up around my feet. But uh, the the, sir, uh, the children regarding the service, uh, we will probably not start off with our our regulars children our regular children's church when uh, when we first get going back together until they maybe relax a little bit on the on the rules or we get a little more clarification on these things because it's going to be hard to socially distance children so so be prepared that children will be in service but hey guys that's not that's not a negative thing there's churches all over the world that have children coming to churches i mean we want your children in in, in the church we don't we don't don't let them sit at home and and watch watch youtube videos for for the rest of the day while you come to church bring them to church with you amen it's important they they can handle it let me, let me say that one more time. Your children can handle it. Amen. They can handle me preaching. They can handle people getting prayed for. They can handle praise and worship. They, they can handle it. Allow them to get involved and be, and, uh, come do what we have. And as soon as we get the, the release from the Holy Ghost, we'll, and maybe that'll be in two weeks. Maybe it'll be by the end of the month, whatever that may be. But when we get that release from the Holy Ghost, we'll, we'll proceed to do what, uh, what he has for us. So, so anyhow, be encouraged, man. It's, uh, this is, this is great times. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I'm so looking to see you guys face to face again and uh and get to worship and and do all that God has provided for us amen amen but I'll say that just I want I want to mention this as well you know as I think I may have said this even a week or two ago don't 
Church, we need to not become uh, have the expectation of coming back to a church of, of just the same old, same old. You, you know, not just, oh, I just want to come back to the same old church. Hopefully it's just the good old hour and a half service. You know, I, I'm telling you, thing, things have the ability and they need to have the ability to change how the Holy Ghost wants to do it. Just like I was talking to, to Brother Melvin the other day and I was like, man, it seems like, you know, some of these messages have gotten longer. And he said, that's good. We, we're, not, we're not in the position to, to shorten up services. We need to be in the position to, to lengthen them. We need more word. We need more move of the spirit. We need more services. We need, we need more of him and everything that we're doing. So I'm not saying that I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, longer than normal or anything like that, but I'm just saying be open. I mean, let's be open to see what the Lord wants to do and let's press, press forward in those things. This, we, we ought to be coming in a, out, out of a, out of a place where we've been all by, you know, cooped up by ourselves to where, to where, uh, we come back and we ought to have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord's having to say and, and get pressed into these things. Amen. So, all right, well, uh, let me turn this over to Kimberly so we can uh, kind of move forward here. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to uh, return back to 1 Corinthians this morning. And once again, we're going to go through a whole chapter because it's really not a very long chapter. Um, I think we need to read the whole text in order to understand the fullness of what Paul means here. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation today. So we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. Says, now let me address the issue of food offered in sacrifice to idols. It seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right on this matter. How easily we get puffed up over our opinions. But love builds up the structure of our new life. If anyone thinks of himself as a know-it-all, he still has a lot to learn. But if a person passionately loves God, he will possess the knowledge of God. Concerning food sacrificed as offering to idols, we all know that an idol is nothing, for there is no God but one. Although there are many who may, uh, many so-called gods in this world, and in heaven there may be gods, lords, and masters, those are all in lowercase, yet for us there is only one God, the Father. Out of him is all things, and our lives are lived for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus, the Anointed One, through whom we and all things exist. But not everyone has this revelation. That's For right. some were formerly idolaters who worshipped idols as real and living. That's why they consider the food offered to that God as defiled, and their weak consciences become defiled if they eat it. Yes, we know that what you eat will not bring you closer to God. You are no better if you don't eat certain foods, and no better if you do, but you must be careful that the liberty you exercise in eating food offered to idols doesn't offend the weak believers. For if a believer with a weak conscience sees you who have a greater understanding dining in an idol's temple, won't this be a temptation to him to violate his own conscience and eat food offered to idols? So in effect, by exercising your understanding of freedom, you have ruined this weak believer, a brother for whom Christ has died. And when you offend weaker believers by wounding their consciences in this way, you also offend the anointed one. So I conclude that if my eating certain food deeply offends my brother and hinders his advancement in Christ, I will never eat it again. I don't want to be guilty of causing my brother or sister to be wounded and defeated. So I think that the Passion Translation just really clarifies what Paul is trying to get across here um, you know, this was an issue that got settled back in the Jerusalem Council, Acts chapter 15. You know, this was something that the church had already come to terms with and decided, 
you know, it's best if we tell, you know, non-Jewish people who become believers, just stay away from things offered to idols. That's going to keep everyone out of trouble. So this was something that Paul already knew and had settled for the church. But as this church in Corinth had asked the question, you know, just in his fatherly way, he had such a willingness to come down to their level and to say, look, Hmm. here's why. Let me explain to you. Let me unfold this before you. Um, Because you're not wrong in your understanding that these idols are dead, that they're powerless, that Jesus has authority over them, and he's given you that authority. So you're not wrong in that belief. It's only in how that belief has, um, has caused you to treat your brothers and sisters. You know, that's where we have to put, uh, just because we have a greater revelation or we have more knowledge of something, doesn't mean that we leave those who are not there yet behind in the dust and offend them, especially when they are trying to get closer to God. See, these people who didn't want to eat food offered to idols, it's because they had been idol worshipers. They had seen, you know, the power, the demonic power (laughs) that comes from idols, and they were afraid. You know, they, they did not want to dishonor God. So their motive, their heart, was to honor God by staying away from these foods. And we never want to keep people from honoring God where they are. Amen. You know, this, this only was to help lead people into a greater relationship with the Lord. Um, you know, it's just like uh, if somebody came up to me in our town and said, look, um, I used to work at this restaurant and I know the people who own it. And I was in this, you know, religious cult that they were in. And they, when they make their food, they bless it to this idol and or to this religion you know whatever it is and and that you know i've come out of that now so i'm not going to take part in that food that that food is tainted for me it's defiled um if i as a believer come and say you know what that's so stupid (laughs) you know i i've eaten there for years and it's never had any effect on me Mm -hmm. that stuff's rubbish it has no power you have the power of jesus if i came to them like that I am not encouraging them forward towards the Lord. I am only hindering them because I am elevating my opinion and my knowledge above my love for them. That's right. And that's where we want to come into alignment with what Paul's saying here as we are helping people to get closer to the Lord. I, it is nothing for me to stop eating at one certain restaurant. I could care less. You know, it's just like if we were going into a country um, that... The women felt you're all supposed to wear dresses and not wear makeup because that's offensive to them. They think you cannot honor God mm-hmm. if, unless you wear a skirt and take off your makeup. That wouldn't bother me in the least bit. I will lay that down. I will sacrifice that mm-hmm. because that's how they're trying to honor God. You mm-hmm. know, And it doesn't in any way keep me from being able to honor God by doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a matter of sin. Now... There's also an issue where people have tried to use this text to say, oh, we just accommodate people, whatever they feel comfortable with. We want to bring them into the church and accommodate them, Mm -hmm. you know. So if they feel like we're too hard on sin or we're too, you know, blunt about what the word says and instructs us to do, Mm -hmm. we just need to soften that up, water it down to accommodate people. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) that's compromise. (laughs) And that's the complete opposite because Mm -hmm. that's going to keep people from being able to go further with God. And we want to encourage people to go further with God. We want to help them on their way. And that's what Paul is talking about here. 
Amen. Amen. I always I had the written, I titled that chapter in First Corinthians chapter 8, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Amen. And that's uh, what we need to be concerned, not how much we know on everything, but make sure everything that we're doing, we're doing it in love. Amen. So, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, well I'm going to continue on here. I'm going to continue with a, a message we started last week called the purpose of seed. Amen. The, the purpose of of seed. Now, now, if you uh, remember, as we were talking last week, I know, I already know, I know there's people that probably have tuned out. I know there's people that listen that aren't in our churches that have maybe never even heard of the principle of seed time and harvest. There's people that are completely against it. There's people that are uh, completely for it. Amen. But listen, I know, I know of excesses when it comes to, uh, to this, uh, to this teaching. Amen. But, but the good thing about this church is we don't teach excesses. Amen. We don't teach in one ditch and we don't definitely don't teach in the other side of the ditch. We stay in the middle of the road. We we teach the we teach directly from the word of God and not in our opinions on how things uh, how things ought to be. Amen. Now now as I will say as I kind of move into this teaching on, on the next on the phase two of it today, I want to encourage you like I did last week. Remember Remember, church, lay down your guards. Amen. Allow your allow your guards to, to be laid down if you have some irritation towards, you know, prosperity message, or if you, you know, have gotten offended by it, you've been in a church that abused it, or or maybe you've been in front of churches that have hated it, or what whatever it may be. I just want I just want to encourage you to, to lay your guard down. Why? Because church, I'm, we're not coming here to take anything from you. Amen. Kimberly and I have no mission to take anything for, legally speaking here in Ireland. We can't take anything from you. I because we're remember because we're the heads of the board here of this church. So so we're not coming here to take we have one purpose in mind and what is that? To sow something into you. Amen. We want to sow something into you to or what? To will produce a great harvest. Amen. It's as simple as that. You know I've had some I've had many people ask me that, you know, many ministers ask me, you know, why did you set up the church that way where you can't where you can't take anything from? And I'll say it's as simple as this. It's because that's what the Holy Ghost asked us to do. Amen. The Holy Ghost asked us to do these things. It wasn't something that we had a desire to do. No, it's specifically the way the Holy Ghost wanted it. Why? I have no idea. I assume it's so I can I can teach prosperity. I can teach tithing. I can teach giving. I can hammer on these things fully on what the Word has has to say and and with the belief that no one's going to get any offense over it. Why? Because we're not taking anything from it. Amen? Because we're not taking anything from it. Why? Because God has been that good in our lives. Amen? I, I look at it like uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, where Paul said, you know, I'd rather die than not be able to glory for these things. Amen? And what was he talking about? He was talking about how he wouldn't receive anything from the church at Corinth, you know? And he said, I, I'd rather die than receive something from you. Why? Because God's getting glorified in the things that I'm doing. And Kimberly and I kind of believe that to be similar in what we're doing here we God is getting glorified in the and how we're how we're how we are managing finances if you will at, at this place at this church so so and I'm not gonna let anyone take that away from us I mean God's God's been an absolute blessing in our lives he's poured into our lives and and why did he pour into our lives so we can pour into other people's lives I mean that and that is it I will glorify and I will boast in the things of God because he is that good but let me let me let me hit this other side of the coin before I move on amen because I, I know I've said this two t- twice in a row that this is how we are doing here things in this church. But, but I'm going to tell you, it is not 
illegal and it's not unscriptural that ministers should receive something from the gospel. Amen. The word says that, that those who preach the gospel, they need to live by the gospel. Amen. So, because we got, and why do I say that? Because we got pastors all over this island. We got, we got evangelists all over this island. We got a great traveling teacher within our church that, that travels around. And what does he do? As he travels around, he lives by the gospel. He lives by, by God, you know, uh, moving on churches, moving on people to, to, so into their ministry and why because it's legal that, that's 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 what the bible says we're called to do i mean so i'm don't let i'm not saying that our conviction that the lord has given us for this church is should be blanketed upon all of ministry because it's not amen that's that's a that's a conviction he gave us here for a specific reason amen but but we need to be supporting now listen guys i'm telling you you know you, you out there that don't go to island church here in dundalk you maybe at some of the other churches around here i'm telling you you need to think about supporting your pastor you need to you need to give honor to your pastor out there. You need to support them, make sure that they're well taken care of. Why? Because the Bible says, amen, that those who preach the gospel, they ought to live by it. Amen. So don't, so let's, so let's not get in one ditch or the other. Remember, we're going to stay right down the middle of the road, right down the middle of the path as we come and begin to preach on finances today, on prosperity today. Amen. You say, oh, I can't believe we're going to go into, into finances here. Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret here. I mean, most of the people that get a, get offended when, when I talk about prosperity, when I talk about tithing, when I talk about giving, you want to know why the reason you get offended is because you trust more in finances than you do in what the word of God has to say. Why? Because we don't take anything from you. Amen. So, so remember, yield into what the word of God says, yield in what the Holy Ghost is saying, Take down your guard and allow these words to get sown into a cultivated heart where it can produce what? A 30, a 60, a 100 fold return in your own life. Amen. Why? Because if God wants to do something great in your life, what does he do? He sows seed in you. If he wants to do something great for you, what does he do? He gives you seed to sow. If he wants to do something great with you, what does he do? He sows you as seed. And why is it? It's produce a great harvest. Church, if he's, if he's sowing seed on the inside of you, it was before it's produced a great harvest on the inside of you. If he's giving you seed to sow, he's desiring a great harvest to come back from that seed being sown. If he's going to sow you, church, he, he, is, he is expecting a great harvest to come back from that return, from that seed that's been sown. Amen. So, so as we talked last week, we, we uh, began in Mark chapter 4 and talked about the, the parable of the seed sower and how and what God wants to do as he sows seed in you. Now remember, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1 here, verses 11 and 12, remember these are our foundational scriptures here, right? And, and uh, this is the law of creation here in verse uh, chapter Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. It says, And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the, the fruit tree yielding fruit after its own kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. It says, and the earth brought forth grass, herb yielding seed, seed after its own kind, the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its own kind, and God said it was good. Church, this is, this is powerful. These are, these are, this is the foundation of seed time and harvest. This is the, the foundation of the law of creation that, that we as the body of Christ need to grab a hold of. We need to, to allow it to, to get uh, sown into a cultivated heart on the inside of it. Why? Because this is how God desires to, to procreate. It's how he desired to, to propagate the world. I mean, why? Because he only, he only planted trees once. 
Church, he planted trees once on this earth. He, he planted grass once. He planted bushes once. He, put, he created animals once. He created humans once on this earth. And what did he do? He put seed on the inside of them so they could do what? They could propagate. They could procreate. We'd have a what? A next generation. There is a guarantee to the next generation from here on out. Remember we said last week, what came first? The chicken or the egg? It's simple. The chicken came first. Why? Because the, the seed was placed on the inside of it and it gave it to the ability to procreate from here on out. Now it says, now God, in verse 12, it says, and God saw this and it was good. Amen. God saw what he created, what he spoke into existence, and he said, it is good. What was good? How God decided to procreate uh, mankind. How he decided to procreate the cosmos that that was around us. Amen. Everything that he did, he said, was good. Amen. Now Now there's nothing we can do, church, to change this. I mean, you can stand in faith all you want. You can you know, confess things. You can believe God. You can do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, there's certain things. There's certain little spiritual laws that God has put in place that you cannot change. And this is one of them. Amen. That, that seed is in one else. Seed time and harvest cannot be changed. Psalms 119 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. When God spoke for something, you can't change it. No matter how much you want to stand in faith for it. Amen. Well, I'm telling you, it amazes me. It amazes me. I'm looking out here and I'm, I, you know, I live out in the country so I can see a view out my window here and I can see hundreds and thousands of trees just, just laying the countryside. It amazes me that thousands and thousands of years ago, God created these and we've never ran out. You know, he created the bush, he created grass, the beautiful green aisles that we have, and it's never ran out. He's created animals, and we've never ran out of them. He created mankind here on this earth, and guess what, church? It's never ran out. Why? Because he put seed on the inside of itself. And let's go to Genesis chapter 8, just a few chapters over. In Genesis chapter 8, it says, let's back on up to verse 20 here. It says, and Noah, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every, every clean fowl and offered a burnt offering upon the altar. Now, now let me tell you a little something here. This is, this is uh, Noah. He just got off the ark, right? He, now, now, contrary to what most people think, they think you know, Noah was on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. And then, now, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but, but Noah was on the ark for 370 days. He was on the ark for, for one year and five days of his life. And what was the first thing Noah did when he got off of that ark? You know, I, I look around, I, I ask people, well, I mean, I try to think, what, what, what would people do? If you're on an ark with all these stinking animals, with your, with your family, your children, your wife, wife real for 370 days of, of close encounter can't get any privacy to yourself can't get anything if it's not a, a child looking at you or your wife looking at you it's some animal peeking over you know seeing what you're doing some snakes slithering by you amen now what would be the first thing people would do some people say oh man i don't know i maybe i'd go take a nice walk on the beach Maybe I'd go for a nice dip in the water, go swimming. Maybe I'd, I'd get a little sun. Maybe I'd just go, go off into the mountains and get by myself so no one, no one could see me. You know what God did? I mean, you know, excuse me. You know what Noah did? You know, for God, what was the first thing he did when he got off that ark? Out of 370 days cooped up in the ark, the first thing he did when he got off it, he built an altar. 
He built an altar and he built and he, and he gave sacrifices unto the living God was the very first thing. He, did, he didn't go get a meal. He didn't go to Burger King. He didn't go to the nearest pub. He didn't go hang out with his friends. The very first thing he did was he built an altar unto the Lord Church. We've been in isolation here for what, 90 days or plus. I don't even know how long we've been away from, away from one another. But what's the first thing you're going to do when you get out of this place? I'm telling you, this needs to be a question we ask me. People, oh, I can't wait till the restaurants are open. I can't wait till, till this is open. I can't wait till the cinema's open. Well, I'm telling you, church, I can't wait till the church is open. I can't wait to get to the place where God has created an altar in Dundalk for each and every one of us to come and worship, to come and praise him, to come get healed, to come hear the word being taught. Now, we, as we've been talking here for the last several months, you ought to have been building an altar in your house. I mean, you, there, there needs to be an altar in your house where you can come get into the presence of God. But church, we need to not forsake the gathering together. We need to come together as the body, amen, and come worship and get into the place where we can get into his presence with one another, amen, and get built up. In verse 21, it says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savior. He smelled this great smell of this offering. And he said, and, uh, and, the, and the Lord said in his heart, he goes, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. And for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite uh, more everything that is living as I have done. He goes, neither again will I, will I destroy every living thing. Now, church, many of you guys think, man, I, you know, it's hard to grow things. It's hard to, to, to have a garden. Well, I'm telling you, you know, the ground's cursed. Now, the ground's not cursed. And God said he, he's not going to curse the ground again. This ground is not cursed, amen? You, can you imagine what it looked like before, day, uh, before the days of Noah? I mean, when the ground was cursed, amen? No, we live, we live in great ground that, that will produce seed, that will produce fruit from the seed that we plant, amen? And let me, let me, I'm going to bring this point out too before I can get back on, on track here. It says, he says, Neither again will I smite or destroy every living thing as I have done. You know, this is a promise from God himself. He says, Never again will I destroy the earth or in every every creation that's that's on here or mankind or all that ne- never again will i do that you say well well what about this coronavirus you know when it was going all over the world i mean what 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 what, what about that it, that that was coming it was smiting people well church i'm telling you god god gave us a promise here it wasn't from god this virus wasn't from god sickness and disease and from god something that's coming to destroy humanity is not from god so i got good news for me if it's not from god what does that mean that means you have authority over it why because all things have been place underneath your feet. You've been given authority over everything that, uh, that Satan and his, and his little evil uh, minions have. Amen. You have all power over the enemy you have authority over. So that's a good thing. So what happens when Corona tries to come into a town near you? You exercise your authority and you give it the boot. Amen. We exercise the authority and we give it the boot and we kick it out. Why? Because we have authority over it because it's not from God. Amen. Verse 22, it says, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, there's, there's a couple things, church, you can rely on that are never going to change that are never going to change. You say, you, you say, what is that? Or, or are there some things you can lie that will always change? I guess that's a better way of saying that. Now, what is that? The temperature. Temperature is always going to change. I mean, if you can tell, we live in Ireland. I think it was, what, 23 degrees like two days ago, and it's like, what, you know, 12 out here today? That's ridiculous. 
We are in at the end of June here. <laughs> I cannot believe it's 12 degrees outside. But anyhow, there's something that, that you, can, you can always take for granted that's going to happen. What You're going to have a temperature change. You'll have cold and you'll have heat. You can always take for granted that you'll always have a seasonal change. You can always take for granted that when you put some seed in the ground, it will produce a harvest. And I'm telling you, I don't care how much you get in faith. I don't care how much you confess. I don't compare how much you get people to come and get into agreement with you. These things will never change. Why? Because it is spiritual law that God's put into place. You say, well, man, I don't like nighttime. You know, the Bible says I'm, I'm, we're to be children of the light. So, so I'm going to confess, I'm going to believe God that we'll never have nighttime again. There'll only be daylight from, from you know, 12, 12 to 12. It's going to be daylight and that's it. Nothing, no more nighttime. I'm telling you, you just wait a few hours. Nighttime's coming. Nighttime's coming. You can say, oh, I hate wintertime. Let me tell you guys, I don't like wintertime myself, right? You can say, I hate wintertime. I tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe God. I'm going to confess. I'm going to get people to agree with me. I'm going to stand in faith and winter's never going to come. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give a show of faith here. I'm going to book tickets right now to, to Norway or to, or to Sweden or to, or to Siberia, Russia. And then I'm going to go there in January or February and I'm going to go with flip-flops or sandals on, shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm going to stand out for a week and just camp out in the middle of nowhere. You know what's going to happen? You're going to lose your toes to frostbite. You may lose your fingers. Why? Because I'm telling you, winter's coming. Winter is coming. You cannot change these things. I don't care how much you try to stand in faith for it. Why? Because God has spoke these things into existence and they will not change. Amen. The same thing applies to seed time and harvest. The same thing applies to seed time and harvest. You don't have to be a great farmer. You don't have to know anything about farming. All you got to know is you cultivate a little bit of ground, you can sow some seed in it, and I will guarantee you it will produce a harvest. It will produce a harvest. You go down to the shop, you get you some tomato seeds, you go scrape up some ground and put some of those tomato seeds in, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have tomato plants come up. You're not going to have orange plants come up. You're not going to have, you know, apple trees come up. You're not going to have uh, cucumbers or courgettes, you know, growing for those things. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have tomato plants coming up. Why? Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. You know, we got a we got a small little garden here over at the house, you know, and uh, and had a little bit of help planting it. And uh, the other day, Kimberly and I were walking by just checking on it because it's growing like mad, you know. And uh, she she said this statement. She goes, well, I guess if we ever decide to plant a garden, you know, we, we, see, we see how easy it is. We, we, we can do it. And, and why is that? It's because of a simple law here. You know, as you plant seed, you provide water for it, you cultivate soil, it will produce a harvest. It's as simple as that. You don't have to be some great farmer. Kimberly and I know, know nothing about growing plants. Amen. As a matter of fact, you know, have you heard people that have a green thumb? I think she has a black thumb. She can just about kill anything there is when it comes to a plant because she don't want to water it. She doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Amen. But, but it's easy. You go cultivate some ground outside. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to get a harvest from it. It is simple as that. But I'll tell you one thing. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I'll tell you one thing, there is no farmer, there is no person out here in Ireland that goes and purchases a piece of land, cultivates it, gets all the grass, gets all the briars and the brambles and the, and the uh, nettles off of it and gets it, gets it ready to, uh, gets it ready to, to plant seed and, and digs the ditches and does all the things. What do they do? What do y'all put lime or something like that on the, on the dirt out there to get things to grow well? No, no, no farmer is going to do that and then not plant seed and, and then just start thanking God. Oh God. 
God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. You're going to bring the, you're going to bring the, the former and you're going to bring the latter rains. We're going to have a great, a great season. We're going to have great sunshine and we're going to have a great harvest. No farmer in their right mind is going to do that without putting seed in the ground. Why? Because if you don't put seed in the ground, church, if you don't put seed in the ground, you'll never, and I say you will never receive a harvest from it. Amen. Why? Because seed reproduces after its own time. There is seed time and harvest. Now, why is this? Because if God wants to do something great in you, he sows seed in you. If he wants to do something great for you, he gives you seed to sow. If he wants to do something great with you, he sows you as a seed. Amen. Now, as we, as we learned last week, church, we got to be, we got to people that cultivate our own hearts. We got to receive the word of God. We got to, we got to receive, uh, uh, to be able to receive the seed to plant and allow it to grow roots where it can produce a 30, 60, 100 fold return. You are responsible for cultivating your hearts. I'm going to sow some seeds. Your brothers and your sisters will sharpen you up by sowing seeds, but we got to cultivate our hearts where we can receive the ever living seed of the word of God, where it can take root and it can grow some fruit. Amen. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, church, be teachable. Amen. Be teachable. You know, be men and women of God that are teachable. You say, oh, well, I've been in church for 50. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how much you know. You need to be teachable. I'm teachable. We need to be able to learn from people that, that are over us spiritually. We need to learn from the Word of God. We always have to have our hearts open to hear what the Holy Ghost is trying to say. We need to be teachable people. Amen. There's so many people that have been, that have been in the move of God. They've, they've done great things for God. And then just the light switch got flipped off and they became unteachable. They knew everything. What happened? They end up getting out of church and getting out of the move of God and getting out of getting out of the blessings of God and getting out of everything that God has put in their life. And they know a lot of stuff. Amen. We need to remain teachable. I want to encourage you, church, remain teachable. Amen. Now I'm going to focus today here on our, on our part two, that if God wants to do something great for you, he gives you seed to sow. Amen. So, so you're about to hear the prosperity message come forth to you. Amen. So let that guard down. Amen. Hear, hear what a proper middle down the road prosperity message sounds like that's not in the ditch in one way or the other. Amen. Now I'll tell you, many people say, oh, here we go. The prosperity message in this is the American gospel. Aren't you American? I'll say, absolutely, I am. But the prosperity gospel is not an American gospel. It is part of the gospel, amen? Now, I know there's excesses. I mean, there's, there's even a film out there right now that, that talks about the, the American gospel that, that, that speaks about prosperity and, and, and is hammering against some things that are in the ditch, amen? But I'm telling you, as they're hammering the things that are ditch on the right-hand side, they're in the left-hand side in the ditch, amen? We don't want to be, we don't want to be people in the ditch. We don't want to be in the ditch on healing. We don't want to be on the ditch on prosperity. We don't want to be on the ditch of salvation. We don't want to be in the ditch of the word. We want to be right down in the middle of the road with everything we do in the kingdom of God. Because I'm telling you, I know there's excesses in prosperity. I know there are. I've, I've lived them. I've been around it. I've seen it preached. I know there's excesses and I don't like it either. Amen. I don't like anything that has to do with excesses in the kingdom of God on one side or the other. Amen. I don't like either one of them. Neither one of them are healthy. But I'll tell you a little secret. Amen. Yeah, for uh, people that are that are that uh, that are living in this uh, lavish 
life of excess from from the gospel amen they, you know as much as that is in the ditch on, on the on this right hand side because i'm telling you that is in the ditch amen as much as it is in the ditch on this side the, the poverty gospel is in, is in the same ditch but it's on the other side of the road amen why because the poverty ditch doesn't allow us to it hinders the, the great commission i mean it hinders what god has asked us to do amen so we don't want to get in ditch on one side or the other amen we want to stay in the middle of the road we want to be balanced in everything we do Amen. Now, what is prosperity for, church? What is it for? Is it for a life of lavish lifestyle? No. The prosperity is for what? Is to further the kingdom of God. It is to further the kingdom of God. That is the sole purpose of it. Now, God wants it. He will take care of your need. He'll take care of your wants, church. But I'm telling you, prosperity was designed for the Christian. It was designed for the church. It was designed for his people for one reason. To further the kingdom of God. To further the gospel. It's not, it's not about a posh living. It's not about posh lifestyle. It's about the kingdom. Church, everything is about the kingdom. Everything that God puts in our hands is about the kingdom of God. So what's the difference? What's the difference between poverty and what's the difference in prosperity? It's simple. And it's, it's simple. Now get these in your head. Get them, get them in your heart. There's two differences. Poverty is what? It's not having enough to meet your own needs. I mean, it's a person that doesn't have enough to meet your own needs or the needs of people around you. Amen. What is prosperity? It is having enough to meet your own needs and the people around you. It is simple as that. Poverty is what? Poverty comes from the curse. Just like sickness, it comes from the curse. God says, I don't want, the, I don't want you to have those things. I'm going to make a way. I'm making a door to where you can be prosperous. You can be healed. You can walk in the blessing of God. But if you, if you don't do these things, you walk away from me. If you don't believe in these things, you're going to open up the door to where the devil's going to bring prosperity. Uh, poverty in your life. He's going to bring sickness in your life. These are, these are curses that, that are brought forth. But what? Christ has redeemed us from those curses. Praise God. Amen. And God has desired us to live prosperous. Why? So we can have enough to take care of our needs and to take care of the needs of those around us. Now I'm telling you, church, pro prosperity will look different. It looks different in every part of the world. Amen. Now I grew up in America. Amen. Now, America prosperity may look a little different than what it looks like over here in Ireland. Amen. But see, the prosperity in Ireland, it may look a little bit different than, uh, than prosperity in China, where my daughter's from. You know, prosperity in China, it may look a little different than Botswana or South Africa. It may look a little different than India. It may look a little different from Panama or Brazil. Amen. It may, it may look a little different, but, the, but it's not about the things that you have that make you prosperous. It's about what? Having enough to meet your own needs, right? And the people, meeting the needs of the people that are around you. And I'll tell you, church, God doesn't mind you having things. Amen. He doesn't mind you having a nice house. He doesn't mind you having a nice car. He doesn't mind you dressing. He doesn't mind those things. What he does mind is things having you. I mean, he doesn't want your possessions to have possession over you, but he wants you well taken care of. You're, we're king's kids. Amen. He desires for us to be blessed. Why? Because it, it is a witness. It glorifies God that we can, that we, that people can see that we're well taken care of by him. And also we can, what? We can meet the needs of people around us. But everything, as I say this, everything that God has put in your hands 
has to be like water going through your hands. You say, what do I mean that? So you can, you can make a cup in your hands and, and everything that comes into this hand, yeah, I can get a little bit for myself, right? And it, it takes care of my needs. It takes care of my wants. It takes care of all the stuff I need. But see, the excess of it goes right through my fingers. And what does it do? It gets the people around me wet. Amen. Why? Because he gives us to, to meet our own needs, but he also gives it so we can meet the needs of people around us. Why? Because God doesn't mind you having stuff, but he does mind you being covetous. Let me say that again. God doesn't mind you being prosperous, but he minds you being covetous. And what is, what is covetous? It means uh, I, I've got this, but I need more. And then I need more. And I need more. I got this house, but now I need this house. I need this house. I need this house. I got I got this car, but now I need this car. Now I need the now I need a the the a BMW. Then I need a Mercedes. Then I need a Rolls Royce. Then I need a Lambo. This is covetousness. You you can't get satisfied with what you have. You always are wanting something greater. Amen. Now God says, I don't mind you having things, but I do mind you being covetous. Amen. So don't. Uh, uh, so let's not be covetous people. Amen. Let's, let's be thankful for the things that God has given us. Allow it to come into our hands, but allow it to be freely given. Now, now church, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me hit it on this side too. This doesn't only have to do with money. Amen. See, God has poured what? Salvation on the inside of us. For what reason? So we can sow salvation into the people around us. Amen. That's prospering. He prospered us in salvation. Amen. He prospered us in healing. Amen. Why? So you can receive healing upon your body. You can receive the healing that's already in your body. And you can do what? You can release it into the people around you. Knowledge. Yeah, if you need wisdom, God will, God will, God says He'll liberally give you wisdom if you ask for it in James. What for? Not so you can you can gather up and, and not let anyone else have any of this wisdom. No, no, no. He pours that wisdom. The menu. So what? So he, you can pour it out into the people around you. And he pours what? Finances. He'll pour money. He'll pour things on the inside of you. What? So you can pour them out into the people around you. And you can freely give because for it, because he is freely given to you. You can freely give out into the people that are around you. Amen. Let's, let's move forward. Let's go to Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. Hallelujah. Yeah, I know all you guys out here, y'all have heard, heard these verses. I'm going to start in verse 6 here. It says, But this I say, He that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. He that sows stingily will reap stingily. He that sows generously is going to reap generously. You say, well, well, all these people, oh, seed time and harvest has nothing to do about finances. Well, I'm going to tell you what, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is talking about finances. It's talking about giving. And so seed time and harvest has something to do about giving. I mean, it has something about giving and receiving. I mean, it's seed time and it's harvest. It's planting seed and it's receiving. It says that he that is stingy is going to reap stingy. He that is generous is going to reap generous. What does that mean? You have a field, you have a hundred acres out there. If you have a hundred acres all prepared, ready to go, are you going to go out there and, and sow a hundred seed? Or are you going to go out there and sow thousands of seed? Why? You're going to sow a thousands of seed. Why? Because it's going to produce a great harvest in your life. Now, now listen, church. 
This is not, this is not talking about quantity here. Amen. It's not saying that if you have a hundred euros and that's all you have to your name and you give, and you give, and you give, you know, 10 of that euro and someone has a hundred million euros and they give, and they give a million of it. It's not, it's not saying, oh, they're going to get a greater harvest because they had more money to give. That's not what this is saying. This is talking about the motives of our heart. Amen. Cause I'm t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you another little secret here. Most people that have very little and give, most of them give more than most rich people ever do. Why? Because they're, they're relying on on their riches. Amen. And because it's not about the, the sheer volume of what you're giving. It's about your heart. It's about being generous in your heart. If you're stingy in your heart, you'll reap, you'll reap stingily. If you're generous in the things of your heart, you will reap back generously. It says every man, according to, according as he is purposed in his own heart, let him give not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. He says, every man, as he has purposed in his own heart, let him give. See, he says, as you've purposed in your own heart, how do we give? We give by the leading of the Holy Ghost, and we give by what the Word of God, being obedience into the Word of God. We don't give by pressure from preachers. We don't give by pressure from TV evangelists. We don't give by pressure from the person that's sitting next to you in a church service. We don't give by some pressure or some preacher telling you that some curse is going to come upon you if you don't tithe or if you don't offer. I'm telling you why. Because Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We don't have to worry about that curse coming upon us. You say, well, oh, well, well then why do I give? Why do I offer? Why do I need the tithe? Because you can't take a hold of those promises. Amen. You can't, you can't legally take hold of the promises if you aren't participating in it. Amen. But see, we don't give in fear of some curse coming upon us. Why? Because we do everything in faith. Amen. See, most people think that that tithing just started off with, uh, with the law. It didn't start off with the law. You know, it just got mandated by the law. Now, tithing was done way before even Abraham himself, you know, talks about it. You know, he, he himself what, what was tithing. Well, how did he do it? He didn't do it because of the law. He did it. He did it because of faith. Everything we do, every offering we give, every tithe check we sow needs to be of faith. We need to tie faith on the inside of it. And what does it do? That faith will bring life to it. Why? Because money doesn't have money doesn't have the ability to reproduce. Amen. It's dead. It's a dead object. But see, when you add your faith to it, that's when we can get seed that can reproduce after its own kind. So why, so why do we give? Why do we give? I'll tell you, I'll tell you five reasons why we give. Now I, I took this directly from brother Hagen out of his, out of his, uh, out of his book, the Midas touch. Why? Cause it, I, I read this years ago and it, and it centered me in giving. It centered me in prosperity and why we do the things. Cause see, I'm telling you church, we got to get our heart right. If we're going to be givers, we got to get our heart right in doing the things that we're doing. Not because of, of some manipulation, right? We, we do it because of these five reasons. And I'm going to tell you these five reasons are in order of importance, right? So the first reason, why do we give? Because we love God. Because we love God. That is the most important reason why we give. Why? Because giving is the greatest expression of love that we can have. What do we do when someone has a birthday? What do we do in Christmas time? What do we do when we come go to our friend's house for a meal? We bring something. We bring a gift. You bring, you bring, you know, some food, some sweeties or whatever you bring. Why? Because you're bringing a gift. Why? Because you love them. You want them. And this is the way we express that love unto people by giving. You know, God, this is the way he expressed our love unto us. He loved us so much. He gave his son. While we were yet sinners in a rebellion against him, he loved us so much. He gave. He gave to each and every one of us. And so why do we give? We give because we love him. We give because we love him. Now, number two, why do we give? Because we are in obedience to the word of God. 
Amen. First, we give because we love God. Secondly, we give because we want to be in obedience with the Word of God. We want to be, and if we get in obedience with the Word of God, if we believe what the Word of God says, we can act in faith upon it and give life to it. So what do we do? We want to be in obedience to everything the Word of God says, not just a portion of it. Amen. We need to not just, I'm going to believe in, I'm going to believe in walking in love, but I'm not going to believe in healing. I'm going to believe in, uh, I'm going to believe in, you know, not gossiping, but I'm not going to believe in, in, uh, in, in healing, or I'm not going to believe in giving, or I'm not going to believe in going to church. No, now, see, it's not our job to go through the Word of God and decide, I'm going to believe this, I don't want to believe that. Our job is to, is to submit ourselves to the fullness of the Word of God, to the full gospel, amen, and be obedient to everything in its entirety, not just in the pieces that we agree with, amen. Now, the third, fourth, no, third reason uh, we give. Number one, because we love God. Two, because we're in obedience to the word of God. Three, it's because we want to participate in the Great Commission. You say, oh, what is the Great Commission? It is to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you to the end of the days. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Those that believe uh, that believe and are baptized shall be saved, and those that believe not shall be condemned. And these signs will follow them that believe that they shall lay hands on the that they shall that they shall cast out devils in my name. They shall speak in new tongues. They shall take up servants. They drink any deadly thing and shall not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We should we should desire to participate in the Great Commission and not not just in not just in missions, but but even in our own town. This is this is this is a commission here. This church has been planted. We need to we need to participate with what God is doing in this town. Then we need to participate with what God is doing in this nation and then in this island. Then we need to participate with what God is going to be doing in Europe and into the uttermost parts of the world. We need to have the ability. Not, not everyone has the ability to go. Amen. Not everyone is called to, to preach from the pulpit. Amen. But see, we can participate in everything in the Great Commission if we do what if we sow into it. Amen. See what happens. You, you know, people, I got people that are sowing into our ministry back in the United States. So, so when people get healed over here, when people get saved or people get reborn and they get, they commit their lives and selves into at God over here. Now they may not be physically be the one that's putting their time or putting the words out, but see God commits, God commits the fruit of that harvest that, that I'm doing over here for, uh, to, uh, he, he accounts it to them. He credits to their account as well. Why? Because they're participating in it with their finances. Amen. So see, if we can't go, you can also sow. Amen. We can sow into the things going around the world. Amen. Now this is a missions church. Amen. We, Kimberly and I are missionaries. If you haven't figured that out, my accent don't sound like yours. Amen. We are missionaries. We are sent forth from the U.S. coming over here to get planted into, into the place that God has given to us as an inheritance. We are missionaries. We are a missionary church. We support missionaries. Amen. We have two missionaries as a... <clears throat> Excuse me, as a little as a church as we are right now, we support two missionaries. And we're fixing to add a third one as soon as Kimberly and I can, can, get, can go talk to them. We're fixing to add a third. Now, they're not, now it's not like we're sowing great amounts of money into them yet. 
Amen. But that's going to be coming. Amen, church. We're going to, we're going to start implementing a mission service to where we take up a missions offering probably once a month here at the church. Why? Because, because we are going to participate in the Great Commission. Amen. We are going to sow our finances. I, church, I'm telling you, I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to be sowing some of you around the world where you're going to go preach the gospel. You're going to go plant churches. You're going to do amazing things for God. Amen. But we want to participate in the Great Harvest. That's why we give. Amen. The fourth reason why we give is because we want others to be blessed. Hello? We want other people to be blessed, not just ourselves. We, we, want, we want other people to be blessed. So what do we do? We sow into our local churches. We sow into their, to their programs, their functions, their outreaches they do. We sow into missionary programs or different, different uh, ministries that are out there that are, that, are, that are helping out the poor. They're helping out the sick. They're helping out the people that have been forgotten. We, we sow into these things to be a blessing to them. Amen. Now I'll tell you this. You know, church, we, we, uh, we sow into our church as well because we want our church staff to be blessed. Amen. Now, now, like I said, Kimberly and I, we don't, we don't take a, we don't take a salary here. We don't have anyone on church staff per se right now getting a salary. But Kimberly and I are believing God to put someone on staff right now. Well, we, why, aren't, why haven't we done it yet? Because we don't have the finances coming into the church to do it yet. So what do we need to do? We need to start believing God. We, as the body of Christ, need to start believing God to where, to where these finances will come into where we can put people on staff. Amen. Why? Oh, we're such a small church. Why do we need anyone on paid staff? Well, what about the what about the apostles when when things started getting busy with the church? What they do? They 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 put some deacons in place to start taking care of things. They put elders in place to start taking care of things. What happened? The church began to flourish. Amen. Kimberly and I cannot do everything on our own. Amen. And there's some people that are called to be in this church. They're called to work for this church. And what do we say? Those that give their life for the gospel. Amen. They're going to reap. They're going to reap a harvest from that gospel as well. So, so get get in agreement with that with us on that right now, church, because that's this is something that will be happening in the in the near future. Amen. So, so listen. Why do we give? Number one, because we love God. Number two, because we're obedient to the Word of God. Three, because we uh, we want to participate with the Great Commission. Number four, because we want others to be blessed. We're not just focused on ourselves. We want others to be blessed. And the fifth reason why we give is because we have expectancy. Amen. We have expectancy. What does that mean? As we sow a seed, it's going to reproduce a harvest. Amen. Why? Because when we sow a seed, it's guaranteed from the Word that it will produce a harvest. Now, now we have had... Many people in our vein, amen, that, wanna, that want to preach expectancy as the number one reason why we give. But see, it's not the first, amen. It's the last reason of why we give. Why? Because it's something you don't have to put a whole lot of thought into. It's a promise God gave us, but we need to get our, we need to get our, our process of, of why we're doing things, get our heart right, get our motives right, and why we're giving to where we can do things as God has asked us to do. Amen. Because there, there, there is a promise to it. We will receive back. Amen. But that needs not to be the first reason why we give and everything. But thank God that he loved us so much that as we give, as we love him, as we, as we desire to be obedient to the word, as we desire to, to get involved with missions, as we desire to see people in the church blessed, you know, God says, I love you so much. And just as you're doing those things, I'm going to pour back into you. I'm going to pour a great harvest back into each and every one of you that have the heart to give. Why? Because I'm a giver. God's saying, I'm a giver and I desire you, I desire for you guys to be just like me. In verse eight, Ooh, mama. in verse eight, it says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you 
that you may having all sufficiency in all things can abound to every good work. He's saying as you give, he goes, I'm going to pour grace upon you that you'll be able to abound in every good work. Not, not just one, not just two. As you, as you become a giver, as you sow generously, he will give you a grace. Yeah, Lord, I'll say that. Let me, let me, let me, let me jump back to that. As we, as you, as it says that you sow sparingly, you weep sparingly as you give generously, you'll, now listen, he promised you a return on that. Amen. Just because you, you may be a little stingy, but you're still giving. God says, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give back unto you. It's just gonna be a stingy harvest. Amen. You will, you will get a return on it. Amen. And he's saying right here that, that as you give, whether it be stingily, whether it be, whether it be generously, he's gonna pour out a grace upon you that, that every good work you put, you're putting your hand to, that it's going to prosper. Amen. It says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness will remain forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the, the fruit of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness or all generosity, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. So why is God so generous to us? Why does he give us so much that we can, that, that yes, that we can take care of ourselves, our own wants, our own needs, but he gives us so much, why, to where we can pour out to other people for, for this verse right here in 11 says, because when we, when we meet the needs of other people, they're, they're sitting, they're giving thanks to God. They're like, oh my God, thank you. They're not giving you glory for it. Amen. They're, they're thanking God. I was believing God that, that, you know, I was fixing to get kicked out of my house and I was believing God and, and this check just showed up. You know, I was, I was believing that I'd get into full-time ministry and what happened, you know, the church had, had enough money to put me on staff you know you know as they're believing god and god met their need it happens through who it happens through you it happens through you god does not god does not pour money out of heaven i'm telling you if if he did that i'm telling you the little euro and the two euro coins would hurt when they came down amen that's not how god pours into people how does he do it he does it through people amen he puts it on people's heart to give amen to give into other people and to meet their needs amen now verse nine it says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Amen. God, in, uh, God believes in the institution of seed time and harvest. He believes in it so much that he participated with it. Church, if he believes in it, why in the world shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we believe in it? Why shouldn't we desire to participate in it? You say, what do I mean? God wanted to do so, something great for himself. He wanted to do something good for himself. So what did he do? He sowed a seed. He sowed a seed. See, he had, he had a people, a humanity here on earth that he loved, that he created for himself. Amen. And then and what did the adversary came in and he, be, and he stole people away from him. And so what did he do? He said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix this. I'm, I'm going to sow a seed. And what did he do? He sowed, he sowed the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that sits at the right hand of the Father. He sowed him into the ground of this earth. And what did it do? It produced an exponential harvest. It produced an amazing harvest. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but they'll have everlasting lasting life. He loved people, humanity so much. He said, I'm going to give my son for, for everyone here on this earth, regardless if they choose me or not, I'm sowing a seed. But guess what? Guess what? Yeah, he put a spiritual law in place. So when he sowed, he's, he's, he wasn't going saying, well, hopefully I get someone. No, he sowed a seed and said, I'm going to get a great harvest off of this. And what happened? You know, there's a study there's a study in 2016 that says 2.2 billion Christians in the world. 
That's billion with a B, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, right? In, in 2016, there's two billion Christians worldwide. Now that now that doesn't include the ones in in uh, early parts of 1900s or the 1800s, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 1200s. It didn't include all those people. That's just two billion Christians in our generation. Church, what kind of harvest did God get off the one seed He sown? It was exponential. It was exponential harvest. I mean, this is why this is why I can't stand this predestination theology. Amen. That says that God has chosen only a specific few. I mean, no, God so loved the whole world. He so he sowed his son for the whole world that anyone, that anyone that that just that all you gotta do is believe, all you gotta do is receive him, all you gotta do is give himself unto you as his Lord, and you and you can be part of this family. It's not it's not just the chosen one or two or this person or that person. God says, I'm not a respecter of any man. Just anyone that will believe on me. Amen. I, I will give up to him. Now, uh, yeah, chapter uh, verses 10 and 11 here. Let me read this in the Passion. It says, The generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly rich in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For, for when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. As it says in the, in the King James here, it says, he goes, now he that ministers both seed to the sower and gives bread for your food, he'll multiply your seed sown and increase it with the fruits of your righteousness. God provides us bread to eat. He'll, he, he'll provide your, he provides your need. You know, you know, David said, I've never seen, I've never seen the, the, the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their children begging for bread. Why? Because God will provide for his children. He will give us bread to eat. But we, we consume the bread that we eat, but we need not to consume the seed that he gives us. Amen. He gives us seed and he gives us bread. Eat the bread. Do not consume the seed. The seed is for sowing. The bread is for eating. Amen. He gives us, he gives us seed to the sower. Who are, who are the sowers? Sowers are you, church. He gives, he gives seed to us to what? To sow. He gives you bread to eat, but he'll give you seed to sow as well. Why? Because he wants to do something great for you. Amen. So what does God do? What does God do? He gives you an apple. Amen. He gives you an apple. Now, in that apple, you eat that apple. You eat it all up. Yeah, right? And what's on the inside of that apple? There's seeds. There's seeds in that apple. Amen. Now, how many seeds are in it? I don't know. Maybe five, I would say. i just guessing I'd say five seeds. Before my math, I'll say it's five seeds. Amen. So what do you do with, the, with those seeds? You don't eat those seeds. Amen. You don't just consume it with the whole apple. No, he gave you the seed and he gave you the apple. You eat the apple for your meat, but then you sow the seed. What happens when you sow the seed? It produces an exponential harvest. You sow, you sow five seeds in the ground. What happens? You get five trees. You don't get five apples. You get five trees from, from sowing that. And what happens from those five trees? I don't know. Maybe what do you produce? A thousand apples off of a tree in its lifetime? So what do you have? Five trees with a thousand apples on them apiece with five, with five seeds in each apple? Now you've got 25,000 seeds. I mean, you have all the, the meat you need off, of, off the fruit coming off that tree, but then you have 25,000 seeds to sow. So what do you do with those seeds? You don't eat those seeds, church. 
You sow them. You give them to people around you. You sow them, right? Because those 25,000 seeds with, you know, produce 25,000 trees. It produces a thousand apples off of that tree. Well, five seeds off of that apple. What is that? That's 125 million, million seeds you got for do what? It's for your own consumption and then for you to, to sow into the people around you. This is, this is the, the, this is the exponential growth of what, of what seed time and harvest can do. Now, so now, now listen, is it always going to look at that? Oh, no, it's not always going to look like that church. Remember prosperity is what? It looks different in every place that we're in, but what is it? It's enough to meet your own needs. Amen. And those that are around you. So I'm going to try to finish up here in the next few minutes with these next few verses. Now, now let me, let me try to catch a little different, uh, a little different gear here. Amen. Now there is a key in, in this, in this seed time and harvest. What kind of seed are you sowing? Amen. What kind of seed are you sowing? Why is that important? Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. So, so what kind of seed are we, are we sowing? There's two different types of seed, church. Look in, uh, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this real quick. And in, in uh, Genesis 3.15, it says, God speaking to the adversary or Satan and speaking to the woman. He says, I will put enmity or I'll put war or I'll put opposition between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It will bruise your head and you shall bruise thy heel. See, there's two different types of seed we can sow. We can sow good seed and you can sow bad seed. You can sow godly seed. You can sow evil seed. You can sow life. You can sow death. You know, what, what type of seeds are we sowing? Let's, uh, yeah, let's go, let's, let's do that. Let's go to, to Luke. And these will, maybe these will be my last verses here. In Luke chapter six. Oh, I was just about there. In Luke chapter six. Now this is, now these are definitely familiar, familiar verses here. If you've been in a church longer than a week, you've probably heard heard these verses here. Why? Because we usually use them for an offering. Amen. And we say, what is that? In Luke uh, six thirty eight says, "Give, and it'll be given to, given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, even man given to your bosom. For with the same measure you meet, uh, the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you." So what is that saying? The same the same measure with the same heart you sow out. That remember, if you sow and stingily, if you sow in with generosity, that's what you're going to reap. Either stinginess or you're going to reap, you're going to reap generously. Amen. With the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured back in, unto you. But the point I want to make here is, is this is just not, this is not just a money verse. Amen. This is money. This is talking about money here, but it's not just a money verse. This is, this is a life verse. This is a life verse that we need to, to grab a hold of that whatsoever things we do so, it will be produced a harvest in our lives. So, so let me just back up and let me read a few verses here. Starting in, starting in, let's start in 33 here. It says, now if you do, if you do good to them, which do good to you, he goes, what thank do you have? For sinners also do the same. If you lend to them that, uh, and have hope to receive, what, what thank do you have? For sinners also lend to sinners and they re- and receive as much again. He goes, but, but love, Jesus says, but, you know, so he's kind of, he's changing this around. He says, but you love your enemies and you do good and lend, hoping for nothing uh, again. He goes, and your reward shall be great and you shall be children of the highest. For, for he, who, God, he is kind 
kind unto the unthankful and unto the evil. You know, he says, so be therefore merciful, just like your father is merciful. See, see, we need to be merciful as our father is merciful, not as, not as Ryan is merciful, not as brother Melvin is merciful, not as your daughter is merciful, not as, not as, uh, you know, the bishop of the church is, is, is merciful. No, we, we, we you know, remember God, he, the father, Jesus himself, he is our, he is our benchmark. Amen. We'll be merciful as, as God is merciful under this. He goes, now what's the next verse in verse 37? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. You know, uh, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. I, I love this. You know, it says, Jesus, Jesus himself says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. And everyone's like, oh, well, I'm called to be a fruit inspector. I'm called to judge everything that I see that's not from God. And I get that, uh, and, I, and it comes from the Bible. Well, well the verse you're saying that, that says that we ought to be judging fruit, it's talking about false teachers. Amen? It's talking about the fruit coming off of people that are teaching the word to, to see if they're false prophets, false teachers or not. It's not saying we go around and judge everybody because God's putting some, some spirit of discernment upon you to where you can judge everyone else. Now, what does Jesus say? He says, judge not. Why? Because if you judge, it's coming back into you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He, said, he says, condemn not. Why? Because if you condemn people, if you condemn the church, if you condemn this, if you condemn that, it's coming back to you. What? A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you sow dishonesty, church, you're going to reap a harvest of dishonesty. I mean, if you sow, if you sow anything, if you sow so ugly words to people. You're going to receive ugly words back. Now, I'm not going to go into this for the sake of time, but go back and write these scriptures down. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, I believe it is. And go write these down. And I'm telling you, this, is, this, is, this will show you what the Lord is talking about when we sow things with our mouth. I mean, he says, if you ever sow discord, if we sow strife among the brethren, God says it's an abomination to him. Why? Because of the principle of seed time and harvest. Why? Because when, when someone when this is this is how this is how this works. When someone you get in an argument with, you get irritated with, and 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 there gets to be a friction or a strife because the anointing's lost between you two. What happens? You go over to your friend and you go tell them, oh, you know, I can't believe this person. They did this. They disappointed me. They did. That. I can't believe the church did this. I can't believe that. I can't believe this. And then so you sow those seeds into your friend over there. But then all of a sudden, this person comes up and asks for forgiveness, and you find out, man, this was a misunderstanding. Or, or just, you know, actually I was wrong too. And you ask forgiveness, everything gets, everything gets mended up over here. But why does God call this an abomination? Because you sowed seed. Amen. Now that person may not have the ability to come and seek forgiveness for the seed that's been sown. But what do they do? They sow seed into the next person. They sow seed into the next person. They sow seed into the next person. And it produces an exponential harvest. Are you hearing me, church? It'll produce an exponential harvest. Church, this is why we keep, we keep the seeds that are coming out of our mouth. We keep them under control. We sow life. We don't sow death in the things that we're doing. Why? Because you're going to reap a harvest of those things. Everything that comes a gift. It'll be, it'll be given back to you a good measure, shake, uh, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We even then give back into you. But the same measure you're sowing out to people, the same measure you're giving forth, it's going to be measured back to the inside of each and every one of us. But what's the good news about that? You sow mercy? Ah, church, you're going to reap a great harvest of mercy. You sow compassion upon the people? You're going to reap a great harvest of compassion. You sow, you sow love to people? You're going to receive a great harvest of love. You, you, you want to sow healing upon people? You may, you may receive a great harvest of healing. I'll tell you this. 
You know, this principle of seed time and harvest city, it will work with healing. You believe, are any of you out there believing for healing in your life? You know, that doesn't mean, and you, cause you got something that's going on in your body. You know, you, 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 you believe the word of God, you confess the word of God, but I'll tell you something else. So go sow some seed. Go, you see someone that needs prayer, pray with them, come into agreement with them, believe God for the healing in their body. And what happens? You're sowing seed there. You can reap a harvest from that. Amen. This is powerful stuff. You're, you're, I mean, you can sow, you can sow all different kinds of things. You can give, you get, like I said earlier, you can sow salvation. Amen. You know, you, you believe in for salvation to come in someone in your family. You know, we, we're believing for uh, some sisters and my, and my wife's family to get saved. I mean, so what do we do from that? We don't, we don't excommunicate them. No, no, you know what we do? We sow into missions. We go try to get people saved. I try to get your family members saved. Why? Because I'm sowing some seeds. So why? Someone's going to come and they're going to preach the word to those two. Someone that they can hear and they're going to grab a hold of it and they're going to turn their lives and get right with the things of God. Why? Because it's seed, diamond, harvest, church. It's a principle that God has put into place. But let me tell you, if you don't want it, don't sow it. If you don't want to grow it, don't sow it. If you don't want it to grow in your life, do not sow it. Now, an ending. An ending. Because I don't think we can end without mentioning this. This principle is called seed time and harvest, right? It's seed time and harvest. Now, if you're anything like me, anytime I sow a seed, man, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm a, you know, I do expect it. I want my, I want the return now. If I'm, if I'm sowing seed for, you know, uh, for some financial, if you, you know, some financial need was needed to be met and seed was sown, you know, you know, you, you want it right then. You want now. You don't want to, you don't want to have to go through the rest of the month. No, you, you'd like it right then and now, but, but there's seed time and harvest. Amen. That doesn't mean it's not coming. It's coming. It's a, it's a promise it's coming. That's why we need to watch our words so we don't put death into it. But see, church, the same thing will be with healing in your life, right? See, you can be believing God for, for healing in, in your body and you get, you get prayed for. You're, you're standing in faith. You're believing God, confessing the word of God, maybe even praying for other people. Amen. But you, 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 you say that you haven't seen it in your body. Well, I'm telling you that healing's already started at the root. Amen. It started in the root and your body. Now your flesh may not have come into agreement with it yet, but I'm telling you, you're healed. You need to mind those words that are coming out of your mouth so you don't sow something that's going to be destructive. You don't want to sow, well, I guess I'm not healed and, and get that harvest of that. You don't want to sow that, I guess I guess that preacher didn't have it and, and reap that harvest for it. Amen. So we've got to, we need to mind those words that are coming out so we don't reap the harvest off of those things too. Amen. But see what happens in seed time and harvest when you do something you shouldn't be done. Amen. Amen. Do we still want that same quickness of a return for healing? Do we still want the same quickness of that return with finances? Amen. Because all of us have been guilty of it, not just my wife of gossip, right? We've, we've all, just joking, baby. <laughs> we've, all, we've all been guilty. Of, we've, all, we've all said things that, that we shouldn't have said. Amen. We come back from a conversation like, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I need to go. I need to get, I need to go ask for forgiveness. I need to get those things right. You know, we, we, everyone's been there. Amen. If you, if you haven't, we'll, we'll cast that line devil out of you here when we get back to meet next week or this week coming up but but there's a we, we all have these things we, we all have it but, but what happens when, when you when that seed gets sown and you gossip thank god for seed diamond harvest amen thank god there is a time there that god in his brilliance and his mercy and his love for each and every one of us he gives you time to get right he gives you time to, to repent and to change your way of thinking and go get things right in our life why because god is that good he's so much smarter than we are church he's so much smarter than we are we just yield to the things that god has for us and thank him for seed time and harvest 
seed, time, and harvest. Make no mistake about it. God desires great things for you. He desires an opportunity to work with you. And make no mistake about this as well. He is never late. Amen. You may not, something may not happen in your life the way you think it should. It may not happen as quick as you think that that financial need may not be right when you think it is. That healing may, may not look like it thinks that you think it is or, or whatever it is, you know, stepping into ministry, you may not think, I mean, I'm telling you, but God's never late. He is never late. He's always on time. Just like the late, uh, the late John Osteen used to say, God may not ever, God may not pay on every Friday, but he, he is never late. And I'm telling you, God is never late. Why? Because he wants to do something great in you. So he sows seed and he wants to do something great for you. He gives you seed to sow church. And he wants to do something great with each and every one of us. And I'm telling you, he's looking for a place to sow you. Amen. But listen, God doesn't sow your seed. He doesn't sow the seed for you. You need to sow your own seed. The, sow, the seed that he gives in your hand, you need to make sure you're sowing those things to reap the harvest of it because he's not going to do it for you. He'll give it to you, but he's not going to do it for you. Amen? So, so hopefully that blessed you today. Hopefully that's a, if you've never heard the middle of the road prosperity message, hopefully, hopefully that uh, secured some things on the inside of it. Hopefully it, it built a foundation for the ones that, that don't have it and confirmed the things and people that already know it. But, but let me pray for you and let me get off of here and uh, we, will, uh, we will look forward to seeing you next week. Amen. So, so Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come and preach your word today, to teach your word, Lord, to receive your word today. Lord, I thank you for each and every one of us that's listening to this word that we have. We have cultivated hearts, Lord. We are hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say. We're hearing what the word has to say, and it is producing you know, a good measure in our heart, Lord. It's, it's pressed down, shaken together. It's running over even 30, some 60, some hold you for a return in each and every one of our lives. Well, we thank you. Well, we thank you for our church. We take a hold of your word in Psalms 90, 91. It says that no evil will fall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling places, Lord, for you keep your, you give your angels charge of us. Why? Because we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, Lord. We, we, are, we are engulfed by your presence, your mercy, your compassion, and your love, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank Thank you for that, for that opportunity to get pressed in and be under the shadow of the Most High. Lord, we thank you, Lord. And we thank you for, for the blessing that you've poured in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the seed you've placed into each and every one of our hands. Lord, give us boldness to stand in faith, to be able to sow these seeds so we can reap a harvest, not just for ourselves, Lord, but, but for your kingdom. Why? Because we love you. We love you, Lord. We, we desire to be obedient to your word. We desire to, to, to participate in the Great Commission, Lord. We, we desire to see other, people's, uh, other people blessed, Lord, and we desire to take a hold of your promises, Lord. We give with expectancy, thanking you, Lord, that we are a great seed that's been sown into this, into this land, Lord, that we, as the church on this island, are is a great seed, Lord, looking for great harvest to come forth, Lord, that we will be a, an answer to people's prayers, Lord, we a miracle in people's lives, Lord, that, that, uh, that we will be walking out as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, Lord, walking in power and authority, being a problem for the adversary in everything we do, Lord. We thank you for our church. We thank you for our family. We thank you for the blessings that you placed upon us, Lord. We thank you for you. Thanking you, Lord, that here, that island church, we are covered by your blood. We are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, so before, I, before I check off of here, remember, this is the last Sunday of the month. What does that mean? It is Communion Sunday. Men of God out there. 
and women of God out there. Lead your family in communion. We do this as often as we should eat and drink. Why? In remembrance of him. Amen. So, so uh, if you in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, this is, this is where you'll find those verses. So, so dig into those things. Take, uh, lead your family, pastor your families as you're, as you're called to be. And uh, have a blessed week. Amen. Don't forget, we'll see you the 1st of July here at Island Church at our building. Come join us. Invite a friend. And we're going to have a great time. And then we'll have our first Sunday service on the 5th of July. So God bless you. We love you. We can't wait to see you. And uh, we know you'll have an amazing